Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and uh, what a joy it is to preach the good news to you. May God bless your ears and heart that you have the hope and peace that we have in Jesus Christ, and that the Lord changes your view of the world, that you see things as He does with the love of His Son, Jesus. If you want to support His mission here in St. James through Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org and donate. Thank you for listening. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, like I was telling the kids, uh, I've got probably a couple books where you, you read it and you don't want to leave it. Anybody else have a book where you've been in and you've read it and the last chapter comes and it ends and you're like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. I just want to stay there. Maybe you got a favorite book that you read time and time again, actually. You just enjoy it so much. And I will say that the Harry Potter series, I think J.K. Rowling just brilliantly, first of all, revived literacy in America single-handedly, writing large adult books, and getting kids to read it and get them into this uh, story. And, and uh, you know, when you get a series of those, yeah, you just don't want to leave. And I'll bet there's some members of Hogwarts out there right now who secretly dress up as Harry Potter. You don't need to raise your hands, by the way. But you get those books, they just, and they just bring you in. You feel like you're a part of it. What's your favorite author? Do you have a story, a book like that? Um, Hemingway kind of does that for me. A little more depressing, but I get into that, and it's just I'm lost in it, you know, a little bit. What's your story? I think actually everybody has a story. As if they're their own narrator. And throughout their life, literally, they're fulfilling the story that's in their head. I think everybody, I don't care who you are, has this beginning, has this purpose, has this meaning, and what's going on, and where, quite frankly, everyone has sort of an ending in their story. Where are they on this timeline? Which chapter are they? Everyone has this running story that they're sort of telling themselves in one way or the other. Some of you, in your story, you might just be a little mouse watching everything unfold around you, helpless. Some of you might think you're the protagonist, the hero, and everything revolves around you. Some of you have been told stories about yourself that make you feel like a little mouse and the things that people have said or the way you've been treated or what you have learned. You're just an obscure accident in the universe. Some of you have been spoiled, perhaps, by stories how you are number one. But we all have this constant narration, right? With a beginning and, a, and an ending. And people are always trying to get you in their story and tell you stories. Some of them are doing it pure evil, trying to invent a story for you to believe in, to get power over you. Some people are just as confused as you are as they sell stories to you for your identity, for your worldview. Today in America... We witnessed something Wednesday that I would say is the result of some people being told a story and believing in this story that this is a good thing. Do you know this? 
And I don't know if it's pure evil or what, but they're stuck in this story. And there's other people on the other side that have a story. And if you've noticed, I've been talking to people, and I'll talk to somebody, and they'll tell me a whole story of what's really going on in America and where we fit in. And it goes right down here, and it's got all these enemies and evil people. And at the end, the hero is the enemy of someone else who's telling me about a story of what's really going on in America. It's the craziest time. Conflicting stories of conspiracies and what's really happening, being told by all sorts of different people that it's tiring. Who's tired of trying to figure out what's really going on? What's the story? What's the story of America? What's the story of Washington, D.C.? Well, it's important to figure this out. Just pursue truth, you bet. But I've got a better story for you that I really encourage you to find your place in. A far better story, a far more meaningful story, a far more true and real story, and a story that's so much greater than America or any kingdom or what's happening now. It's a story written by the creator of all things. God. That's what the Bible is. God actually gives us a story, doesn't he, of how things began. And that story is your story. We read it earlier, Genesis chapter 1, it begins, in the beginning was God. Not you. You weren't there. And God made all things out of nothing. God said, let there be light, and there was light with no help from you. The story begins with God's creation. And then, as we know, God makes man and woman. And now we look at ourselves and we're thinking, that was a big mistake. And it started out well. I don't know how long, but of course, Adam and Eve had to mess it up. Because they believed another storyteller. Who's that? The devil. There's a question of whose story am I going to believe? The one who made me and has given me all these things, or the devil has another story. And guess what? When the devil tells his story, you're number one in that story. You're God. And Adam and Eve believed it, and they stole, and the world became what it is today. And mankind became, that means you too, the enemy in the story. <laughs> Did you know this? In the story, you are not the hero. We're the enemy. The way we treat one another, the way we act toward one another. And if you don't believe that now, I don't know what else I can say. So in the story, we see it unfold in Genesis, and we see the messed upness of man, and we see even God's people that are believers, that believe in his promises, like Abraham and David, they still screw up. They still mess up. David kills and steals and conspires against his best friend until finally in this story, God does something, the author does something that is really quite amazing. 
If you know anything about film, there's something called breaking the fourth wall. Is that right, Henry? The fourth wall? And that's when one of the characters sort of looks at the audience and smashes this perception, this division that once occurred as he speaks to the audience, knowing this is just a play, this is just a movie. I think in a way, God does that on Christmas. God, the author of this story, breaks in and becomes a character in it, a human being, a man. And not just the best, he's born to the poor, he's born to a poor couple from Galilee, a nobody, and a nobody country that nobody knows of. And Bethlehem, nobody knows where Bethlehem is as a baby. God enters our story forever, intertwines himself, no longer standing on the outside, but in it. Why? Because he loves these characters he has created, you and I, even despite our unlovableness. And today we celebrate something more amazing, that God not only breaks into the story and unites himself with us on Christmas, but what happens today on the baptism of our Lord that we celebrate? There's a scene where John is telling the whole world that God is coming and he's angry. Repent and be baptized. And people stream to the stream, to John, to the River Jordan, to be baptized, repenting and scared. And who's standing there with them? And you'd never recognize him. God, with sinners, hanging out like a bunch of people on their way into Olive Garden. Ordinary, normal sinners. And John, Jesus comes to the river, and John looks at him and says, has an idea of who this one is. He's perfect. He's sinless. He's our Savior, and says, you should be baptizing me. But Jesus says, no, do it to fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus gets into the waters and is baptized. Friends, only sinners need baptism, and there's Jesus, because Christ has fully, God has fully involved himself in our story. He has owned our story when he walks into those waters, even not the stories of the best of us, but the stories of the worst of us. When he enters that water, he becomes sin who knew no sin. He becomes a sinner. But if you think this is amazing, this day as Jesus is baptized, who shouldn't be, and unites himself with sinners and hangs out with them, but soon we see in this story God representing all of humanity in the flesh, your brother, on the cross as a traitor. That's what it means to be on a cross. You are a traitor to humanity to the Roman government. And for the Jews, you are a blasphemer. You are the enemy. We're supposed to be the enemy. We're the enemy. Look at yourself. Look at this world. And yet Jesus allows himself to be called the enemy in this story. He literally is our avatar 
who dies for Adam and Eve, for you and for me, for your enemies, for Republicans and Democrats, for people that went into the Capitol, for people that call everybody who thinks different than them racist or communist or Nazi or whatever. Jesus took it all away in your place, in your story. He's owned your story. He's done all the heavy lifting. He entered our story and did what we failed to do, and he received what we could never stand before and die for us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a better story than the story you hear out there about humanity and about yourself? But more than that, this Jesus, three days later, rises again. So guess what? The story of mankind does not end with us destroying ourselves. But in fact, in forgiveness and in resurrection, your brother rose. Your political heroes don't rise from the dead. They have no control over that. Your philosophies can't wake up corpses. But this one can. And I say this is your story because just as God entered into our story, look what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Buried with him by baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Friends, the glorious story of God, he has brought you in it. In baptism, you have been brought into the story of his son, Jesus, united. What happened to him will happen to you. You, too, will rise again. You, too, are a son and a daughter of God by the grace of Jesus. Is that a good story? And that story of your beginning of sin and God's love for you in Jesus and his uniting of himself to you and bringing you into his story that will not fail. His destiny is your destiny. You are the character in God's story. You're going to be okay. That transcends any stupid story that you're clutching to right now. And it's okay to kind of figure out what's going on politically and, and you know, what's best for America. That's fine. But... <laughs> The story that I'm talking to you about is so much greater than that. Far bigger. And something you can far more trust in and quite frankly, find your identity in. Beyond your political party, your theories of what actually is really going on. I just want you to relax. You don't have to figure out these little tiny stories that scare you. Because you know the bigger story and the bigger conspiracy of God to save sinners. And you know your place in a story that's far more important than America's story. Because this country, I hope it gets better, but eventually it ain't going to be here. Kingdoms come, kingdoms go. 
But God's kingdom is forever. Stories come and stories go and intertwine, but they are part of a much larger overarching story and narrative told by a one who really knows what he's talking about. And you are in it as a child of God. Friends, that's why we have church services. That's why we're in God's word. That's why we need to come to church, not to give God something, but he needs to keep on telling us the real conspiracy, what's really going on, and who you are in that story, and how that story ends. And it's glorious, and it's beautiful, and it's peaceful, and it'll be a bunch of people getting along and hanging out, and no more confusion. And we can't hear that enough, because it empowers us to deal with the BS, to not get lost staring at the dirt and the trees, but we're above the forest and we see the bigger picture. We're not lost. May that story empower you and give you an identity. When you are scared of your sins and scared about you're going to get what you deserve, Jesus took it. You're forgiven. When you're afraid of death, when you are afraid of the future, what the doctor's going to say, you will rise again. And when you are afraid of what's happening in America, God's kingdom has come, is coming, and will be triumphant as his son has risen from the dead. May that story empower you to have hope and peace in these times. And people need to hear that story. We exist because we have a story to tell. People out there in just in darkness and confusion and scared. And when you're like that, you start punching back and robbing and thinking everybody's out to get you on both sides. Everybody's your enemy. You can't trust anybody because they're believing and been fed lies. Purposely or not, but they're just lost in these little tiny stories, and you get to share a bigger one about the beginning, about the now, and about the end. And your neighbors need to hear this story about a God who loves them, and this city needs to hear it, and this country needs to hear that story. Get your heads out of these little concerns into this bigger world and vision and story that's God's. May the Lord bless your hearts and minds. May every day you remember whose story you are in and who you are in that story and that that destiny and that last chapter is going to be awesome. In Jesus' name, amen.